Hey, hey, friends. This is Jessie DeShane, a chronic illness support coach and host over here on the Chronically Healing Podcast. When I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, I was scared and immediately started looking for support. After finding so much negativity in the autoimmune world, I decided to start a community that emphasizes positivity and healing. On this show, you will hear me have conversations with people just like you who are on their own unique healing journey with chronic illness. There might be a few tears, but you are guaranteed to have a bunch of laughs and lots and lots of love and support. Let's dive into the show. Hi, everyone. Today's episode with Monica Little is an amazing one. I'm so excited for you guys to listen in. I do want to just give a little disclaimer as I'm editing here. I hear a tiny bit of feedback in the first few minutes of the podcast. So I just want you to know that once you get past the first few minutes, um, the feedback and the issues with the volume go away and then it's perfectly wonderful to listen to. So just hold on tight and I promise the episode is worth listening to. So here we go. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. Today, I'm welcoming on my friend, Monica Little. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jesse. Thanks so much. Super excited to chat with you today. Yeah, I'm so excited um, to chat with you about your journey and about all things you. So why don't we just jump right in? Um, how about you tell us about you, who you are, um, anything you want to say, and then we can dive right into your health journey. All right. Sounds good. So... I'm going to give you the short version, okay. and then we can dive into any topic. I've had a lot of different um, health avenues over the last six or so years. Um, so when I first moved to Chicago about six years ago, it was my first job. I had a very restrictive diet, and looking back then, I honestly thought I was so healthy just in terms of, you know, I was, I was actively running, I was training for races and half marathons, but my diet was so restrictive that looking back, I know that was actually like the most unhealthy time I've probably ever was at. So then I was um, restrictive just in terms of like the food I was eating and the calories I was eating, and it was leading to a lot of yo-yo dieting. So on the weekends, then I would binge on like cookies and chips and snacks from Walgreens and McDonald's when I was hungover, and I had a ton of processed foods in my diet at that point in time. About um, two years after that started, so that went on for quite a long time, I transitioned into more of like weightlifting and tracking macros through a fitness challenge on Instagram that I signed up for. So at that point in time, since I had a very restrictive diet previously, I think it wasn't entirely helpful with the macro tracking mindset because instead of eating healthy foods that may have slightly more calories, I was still focusing on the low-cal processed foods to try to maximize my calories as much as I can. Mm-hmm. So, so with tracking macros, when you have like a piece of raw grass-fed cheese um, minimally processed, actually really healthy for you. It can be about 100 calories. And then you have laughing cow cheese, which is 30 calories. Yeah. With tracking macros, you are actually incentivized to choose the laughing cow cheese, which isn't even cheese. Like I have friends that are lactose intolerant and can eat that because it's actually just full of chemicals. Like it's not even real dairy. Yeah. So. During that point in time, I was eating a lot of processed foods still, low-calorie options, and I was working out at the gym um, very 
heavily, consistently, and I ended up having extremely bad lower back hamstring and um, like upper back neck pain, Mm -hmm. which went on for a really long time. And I thought that that came from over-exercising and that I needed to take some breaks. So I ended up taking about a month off from the gym and I stretched took a lot of Epsom salt baths and things like that. But I remember the first day I went back to the gym after that break, I took a barbell and I did like two squats and I had the worst pain imaginable. Mm. Um, So it all came back like crazy and I had no idea what was going on just because I had done everything that you're supposed to do when you have muscle pain, right? Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to a sports medicine chiropractor and he helped immensely to stretch and do some exercises to help with that. But I remember at the last five minutes of that uh, meeting with him, he said to me, "Um, the pain you're experiencing is inflammation and inflammation stems from the gut. And I remember at that point in time, I was like, what is he talking about? Like, how does my hamstring, my muscle, my hamstring relate to what I'm eating? Like, I was so confused, had no idea what he was talking about. Um, But that actually was a very eye-opening discussion because I actually went home and did a ton of research about inflammation and realized the pain that I I was experiencing was 100% inflammation. I had so much inflammation built up in my body that when I had the smallest amount of pain from doing an exercise, um, it was just an automatic response that my body would send these injury signals to that slight, slight uh, amount of pain that honestly didn't even warrant an inflammation flare up. But just because I had so much inflammation in my body, it was causing it. So once I learned that, um, my diet and whole entire view on health completely changed. Um, and I started focusing on like a low inflammation diet. I learned about all these other symptoms that stem from inflammation too, like acne and headaches and brain fog, things like that. And now I would say um, like the third part of my health and wellness journey is more of like a holistic wellness enthusiast. That's what I focus on now, um, eating healthy, high-fat anti-inflammatory diet, um, lots of organic foods, not a lot of processed foods, but also um, chemicals in terms of the pesticides in non-organic produce, avoiding those, and also chemicals in terms of the products that we use. So that's my new definition um, of health. Mm -hmm. And And it's been great. I think looking back to about four or five, six years ago, where I started from, it's a complete 360, how I feel now. And I've just been really trying to let people know that these inflammation symptoms, um, no matter how small they are, like acne or headaches or brain fog, they are signs that something is wrong within our body and that there's a way to heal that. Food will heal that. And um, that's just something that I'm really passionate about now. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think, um, inflammation in general can be really confusing to people, including it was to me until like I started really understanding what it was, but I, I know that like for a few people, when I've mentioned that I, I have a lot of inflammation issues, they're like, Oh, does that just mean that you're bloated? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't like I'm mean, bloating is a form of inflammation, but so is like you said, like acne, like Uh, I don't even know. Like, what are some other forms of inflammation? You mentioned a couple. Yeah. So 
there's, there's a long list. And the hard part is, is that they are usually small symptoms. Yeah. That when you see them by itself, you don't really think anything of it. So a couple examples, acne, headaches, but also sinus pain and allergies, mm-hmm. um, brain fog, anxiety, like constipation too, if you're not going to the bathroom every single day. And like you said, bloating, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I think the hard part is that all of those symptoms are normalized, right? Mm-hmm. Like if yeah. you think about headaches, I grew up and my mom, as I was growing up, she had headaches all the time, once or twice a week. So when I had headaches um, over the last few years, I honestly just thought it was normal. Yeah. Like I would come home from work with a migraine, I would put a face mask on, I would go to sleep at like 6 p.m. in total darkness because I couldn't look at light or I couldn't smell anything because my migraine was so bad. And I honestly thought to myself, like, well, this is normal. Like, yep. headaches are normal. But these symptoms are actually signals from our body that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and the good part is that food and what we eat is how we can heal those symptoms. Mm-hmm. But it's just bridging the gap to really say, like, I have headaches or I have acne and I don't want to live with this for the rest of my life. I want to feel better and I can feel better. And then uh, finding the avenues to actually get there. Yeah. Like specifically with just like a personal note, specifically with headaches and acne, like I had those same, like growing up, I had headache. I've had headaches since like second or third grade that I can remember. Um, Sometimes they're worse than others in my life. Same with acne. And I always was looking for that quick fix. So I was on birth control for my acne, which, you know, now I'm finding out is like <laughs> horrible, but right. like at the time, that's why I was on birth control. And then, um, when I went on a new birth control and it didn't work for my acne, they put me on like very harsh acne treatments like Accutane. And then yeah. on another prescription drug for multiple years that I actually just got off of, um, and I was so terrified that like my face would like blow up and it actually, knock on wood, hasn't, but I think it's because, or I know it's because um, the way I take care of my body, the foods that I eat are so much different. Um, I'm definitely not in a, in a great place when it comes to food. I still struggle with food the most on my healing journey, but like just the paying attention to what's in our food, how much I'm eating for me. I think we even talked about this via like Instagram DMS at one point, but like, um, I get a lot of sinus pressure which Mm -hmm. will cause a headache. And I finally was started paying attention and started noticing because I had just blamed it on, um, pressure changes in the weather. And this is just something I'm going to have to deal with, but it actually, I think is from dairy. Um, so like when I eat dairy, I notice that I'm more congested in general. I have like more post nasal drip or whatever it's called. And yeah. um, then when I lay down, that's when a headache comes up. So I think, I mean, everybody has different, um, different paths and different issues that are wrong, but I think like our culture is so focused on this quick fix, this like mm-hmm. ibuprofen, go on a prescription drug, like do this, do this, do this, when really like if I cut out dairy for two weeks, my headaches drastically decrease. So, right. Yeah, I think it's, I, I totally agree with you. And I think it's so crazy. And um, I remember when I first heard from that sports medicine chiropractor that inflammation and it stems from the gut and, and what we eat causes it. And then when I look back 
and exactly like you said, that dairy can cause sinus pain for you. When I look back to the four years before I went to see that chiropractor, I was yo-yo dieting and I was eating processed food and McDonald's. And then I was, when I was counting macros, I was eating the low calorie foods that are just filled with like chemicals mm-hmm. and they're not even like real foods. Yeah. And then you add in other items like gluten and dairy and sugar, all of those factors um, can lead to inflammation. And it's, it's just crazy how food is what can lead us to inflammation, but then food is also can, can heal us and, and help us grow from that too. Yeah. Yeah. And that the same thing with me with like the macro stuff, I was super into that. I was just talking to my husband's grandparents about it this past weekend, actually. And I was like telling them these, I would be so focused on hitting this like protein fat carb goal every day that every night before bed, I was so proud of myself. I would have like this protein ice cream (laughs) that I thought was so good at the time because I wasn't eating food. <laughs> I was right. like, crap. So like I would have this, you know, dairy filled protein ice cream with, um, with like, um, I would use almond milk, but there was dairy in the stuff. And then I would put on like Walden farms syrup oh my gosh, yes. and like cereal, like Reese's puff cereal, whatever I could fit into my carbs and like spring right. stuff. And I was like, this is great. Why am I still bloated all the time? Right. I'm barely eating and I'm sticking to my calorie goals. And then now knowing what I know, like I can't eat gluten. It's like really bad for me. I get very sick when I eat a lot of, when I eat any gluten. And so, and then dairy is also an issue. And then sugar as well. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh, okay. Like literally the thing I thought was my healthiest part of my day or like my most macro friendly part of my day to get right. all the protein in before I went to sleep was like three of the things that I shouldn't have been touching at all. And then I'd wake up bloated again and be like, what's happening? I don't understand. Yeah. And I think that's the hard part because during that time too, exactly like you said, I thought I was healthy. I yeah. thought I was healthy because I was eating the right amount of protein, carbs, and fats. I thought I was healthy because I was going to the gym. But mm-hmm. when you actually look at the food I was eating, it was the complete opposite of healthy. But I thought health was just like if you're active, you know, they say if you work out X amount of days per week, you're less likely to have diseases in the long run. So I was like, well, I'm doing that. I must be healthy. And I guess I like look fit. So I think I'm healthy because of that too. But when you actually look at like the food, I was eating Walden Farms too. Oh my God. There were so many like low calorie macro hacks that looking back, I know that is exactly why I had all that inflammation. And I'm actually like super thankful that the inflammation really did kind of hit me square in the face through that really intense muscle soreness because if I only had those small symptoms like acne, headaches, and sinus pain, mm-hmm. I don't think I would have ever researched that much into it to really learn that, you know, these are symptoms and there's a way to heal. Mm-hmm. So it came about in, in kind of a crazy way, but I'm super thankful because I've learned so much and I think there's still so much to learn, but it's just, um, it's just kind of crazy how it all comes together and how we learn across the years with all the different things that we try. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like uh, almost everybody I've talked to on the podcast, I feel like has that kind of moment. And I know I have where like, you know, you... I hate that I got really sick and I hate that I, I've had periods of being like extremely, extremely sick. But because of that, 
I listened. Otherwise, I was just like, this is normal. This is how you're supposed to feel. This is what it's like to be an American. <laughs> or right. Like, to be a human, you know, is to just, you kind of feel crappy sometimes and you wear a lot of makeup to cover up. That right. And like, that's just life. So, right. um, so like sometimes I feel like some of us maybe are a little stubborn than others. So that's when the body has to like really create some very intense warning. <laughs> yes, definitely. I agree with that entirely. Yeah. So speaking of food, what, um, what is kind of like a typical day of eating for you? How do you, I know you still work full time. Like how do you keep yourself healthy and, um, like prep food, that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, um, my diet, I would say it's, it's like a moderately high fat diet. Mm-hmm. Um, I focus a lot on anti-inflammatory healthy fats, which include like wild caught salmon and avocados and full fat coconut milk, nuts and seeds, all that fun stuff. Um, During the work week, I do normally kind of eat the same thing every day. It's just so much easier for me. Mm -hmm. But when you actually eat a high fat diet, it's probably my favorite type of food that I've eaten across the past like six or so years since I've been looking at different ways ways of eating. But you can add so much flavor to your meals through high-fat food that it's actually so good, and I enjoy it so much. Um, but, yes, I have about the same thing at work every day. So I have bone broth soup for lunch mm-hmm. at work, which is so good for your gut, um, extremely gut healing, which can help with inflammation as well. Mm-hmm. And then usually after work, I make some sort of like salmon dish or something with sardines because I love my healthy fats. <laughs> and, um, and then I have like my matcha tea lattes that I take to work and I have some like coconut milk with reishi powder, which is a mushroom powder too. Yeah. So I am very much a person that if I know it will make me feel better, I will eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not... Like, like, I don't really miss having much more variety, I guess, because I know what I'm eating at work um, will be good for me. It will give me the energy I need. It won't mess with my digestive system. It will fight inflammation. And I feel good from eating these foods that I'm okay, like Monday through Friday, pretty much eating the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then obviously on weekends, um, having a little bit more variety just from having some time. But the high-fat diet has been awesome. Um, really finding what foods work with you has been has been a great part of this learning experience too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's an important piece um, to say is like finding what works for you. Like if you do not like coconut milk, don't use it. Or if like right. it doesn't make you feel good, I mean, you know, there there's a point where you have to actually pay attention to what you're body needs. Like I, for a really long time, told myself that my body needs carbs. It needs a lot of them. And I was, and it does, it does need some, but I was like terrified of doing the the high fat because mm-hmm. my whole life I've been conditioned to eat very low fat. So I was like, oh my gosh, if I eat more fat, I'm going to get more fat. <laughs> so, um, so I think like, actually paying attention, like you said, eating the foods that really make you feel good. Um, and then too, like with, with paying attention to how other people eat, it's interesting to like hear what other people eat, what makes them feel good. But like, you know, if a high fat diet doesn't work for you, don't do it. But if it does do it, like you kind of have to do this, this little bit of like trial and error, I guess, like to figure out what works for you, what doesn't, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And I do think that 
I mean, one of the first steps is really getting your digestive system to be regular to the point that then when you start experimenting with different foods, you can pretty much automatically tell if it works good for you or if it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So before when I had all this information, um, TMI, I'm sure, but this is an important topic, (laughs) Um, you know, I would go to the bathroom once every three days. Mm -hmm. So when you eat dairy on a Sunday and you have some acne breakouts on a Tuesday, it's really hard to link it back to say, like, what did I eat over the last three days? Why am I having this flare-up? What's not working with me? But once you actually work on your digestive system and get it to be super efficient, just by cutting out those inflammatory foods, um, just eating gut-healing foods, making sure that um, you're going on a regular basis, Mm-hmm. Then it's actually kind of crazy how once you eat something, you can pretty much tell within an hour or two if it's going to give you a headache or lead to an adverse side effect or not. Mm-hmm. And then you can be super efficient with like trying different combinations of food and really learning what works good for you and what will make you feel your best. And yeah. um, I really think that first step though of getting your digestive system to an efficient place yeah. is what's needed because then, then it's just like spitfire, right? Like trial and error, keep on going. And then you'll find the foods that you feel great from. And it's, it's meals that you'll be excited to eat every day too. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Like trying to heal that gut as much as you can. And, um, and sometimes you have to do a little bit more strict eating yeah. or foods or whatever. I've done plenty. And in fact, I know I'm going to have to do something again soon. So like, because I'm still not fully healed there. Um, but, but yeah, once you do that, like you said, you can notice things. I mean, even today I was so excited. I had time this morning. I was like, I'm going to make myself an acai bowl. I like put it on Instagram. I was so proud <laughs> of myself. And then like a half hour after I ate it, I just didn't feel great. I was like, mm-hmm. what's off here? And it's because I don't ever eat that much sugar in the morning. Even yep. if it's like, quote unquote, healthy sugar, you know, I, I, nothing had added sugar or anything like that. But I'm just not used to eating that. And instead of doing what you think sugar will do, which is like give you energy or like make you happy, it actually like, like totally threw me down. And I felt right. like another coffee, like that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, it's like really paying attention to that. Yeah, definitely. And sugar is a huge one too. And I kind of went through exactly what you said with um, like a coconut sugar and raw maple syrup. So both of them are forms of healthy sugar mm-hmm. compared to like white processed sugar, which is super processed and, and not even anywhere near its natural state. But even with coconut sugar and raw maple syrup, things like that, I noticed the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I would make healthy desserts and they're like good desserts made with like cashew butter and tahini and almond flour and all these, all these great ingredients. But the amount of coconut sugar that was in it, I would eat a few pieces and do exactly like you just said. I would crash entirely. And then I saw that my sugar craving started to increase mm-hmm. and I wanted more and more sugar, even though it was healthy sugar. And a lot of uh, the work that I've done too um, is around like balancing the gut bacteria Mm. in your stomach. So there's good gut bacteria and there's bad gut bacteria. And we take probiotics um, that's for the good gut bacteria to increase. But the bad gut bacteria, they uh, crave sugar and they live Mm. on sugar. So even if it's coconut sugar, sugar, sugar. And I started to notice as I was making those healthy desserts and eating more sugar, I was getting a lot of 
the same side effects, um, similar inflammation. If you have an imbalance in gut between the good and bad gut bacteria, you can have a lot of the same symptoms. So with stuff like that too, it's just really listening and I mean, food journals are great to keep too. Yeah. And then you can understand how your body reacts. Yeah. So what are some things outside of food that you do to keep yourself mentally healthy, emotionally mm-hmm. healthy, um, physically healthy? What are some non-negotiables you have throughout the week that you do? Yes. I have gotten pretty big into meditating and journaling over probably the last six months. And I think that is, for my emotional state, super critical. Um, I am very much like a workaholic type of person that I have my full-time job, work all day, and then I come home and I work on Instagram for three hours or so. Mm. And I think actually carving out that time to meditate and let my mind calm down, try to bring it down a bit and journal any feelings and try to address my emotions from the day. Mm -hmm. Those have been super helpful. And um, I just picked it up over the last six months or so. Mm -hmm. In terms of like physically active, I've actually taken a break from uh, the gym. So back when, maybe a year or so ago, I was still going pretty consistently with the weightlifting routine, but I actually haven't gone back to the gym in about three months or so now. Just because I've been doing a lot of this gut healing uh, work, which really high intense gym workouts can actually fire like cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to keep stress low as I heal, work through all this stuff. So I haven't been going to the gym um, as much, but I do have like my walks to work that I that I enjoy, yeah. and that's that's my way to get outside every day. Yeah. Yeah, like meditation and journaling is huge. I've unfortunately fallen off the meditation train. I used to be so into it and I love doing it. It's just, I feel like it's hard once you get off of it to get back into it, even though it doesn't need to take that long. Like the most I was doing was 10 minutes a day. Um, But it's so crucial. Like I noticed that my anxiety is a little bit higher when I don't or I can't calm my mind. I'm kind of similar to you in the fact that I'm always going, I'm always doing something or finding something to do. So having that little bit of time to calm down is really helpful. Do you meditate journal in the morning or are you, do you like doing it at night? It depends. Um, I like to do both right after work because I think it's a good segue for me to kind of calm down after the craziness of work. So usually around like 5, 6 p.m. when I get home, because sometimes I get home, I'm a little frazzled. I have so many things to do. I got to get my lunch ready for the next day. I got to prepare for work for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to come home and sit down and meditate for 10 minutes and then journal for a half hour. So it really sets the, sets the tone for the rest of the evening. But at the same time, in the morning, specifically on weekends, absolutely love to do in the morning to just kind of set the tone for the whole entire day since, since the day is uh, pretty empty to do whatever comes across. Yeah. Have you ever tried, um, the float tanks? Oh, I love those. Yes. I keep, I have wanted to go honestly, like for almost a year (laughs) and I'm gone, but I thought that I thought my husband had said that you have gone. Yes. How do you like those? Oh my gosh, they're absolutely amazing. So in Chicago, there's this place called freeze and float and they do a phenomenal job. And it's an individual float tank, which only has about one or two feet of water. 
but I believe it's like something crazy, like 10,000 pounds of magnesium of Epsom salt mm-hmm. in there that when it dissolves, when you lay on it, you effortlessly float. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing is like sensory deprivation. There is no lights, no sound, and you ultimately don't feel anything either because you're floating like you are pretty much like in gravity or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're in there for an hour, and the whole main benefit there um, is that you can meditate so easily just because you're not focusing on anything other than your breathing. Mm-hmm. And I've been maybe like four or five times now. I try to go once a month. But I absolutely love it. Like that is, if I can go every day, I totally would. That is yeah. like the best form of meditation out there because it just really forces you to relax and let go and to get into that meditative state. Yeah, I've always wanted to try that. Like my husband thinks that I would hate it, that I would be like really uncomfortable. But I actually think it would be better for me because I am so easily distracted even while meditating. So I think yep. um, it might be a little uncomfortable for me the first time or two, but I think that I would like it. Yeah. It's not so bad because it's only about one or two feet of water. Before yeah. I went, I thought it was like a deep pool. Yeah. Um, but if you like get uncomfortable, if you feel claustrophobic, like you can get out super easy. So it's not intimidating at all. It's actually, I love it. I would highly recommend it. Yeah. Awesome. I'm going to have to try. Maybe yeah. there's one. I'm out in the suburbs of Chicago now. Maybe there's one somewhere out here that I can yeah. find. But so to kind of switch gears here a little bit, we kind of touched on the fact um, you work a full-time job and then you ha- that you work on Instagram at night, but you also have your product line. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So when I first switched to like an anti-inflammatory diet, I think that was the segue to more holistic wellness in general. So Like I said earlier a bit, not only the food that we eat, but also the chemicals within our food and the chemicals within our products. Mm -hmm. So it's actually like crazy insane when you start looking at products and household items like laundry detergent and shampoo and conditioner and dish soap. There are so many chemicals in those products that um, some of them are actually known to be either hormone disrupting or cancer causing. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you start investigating into those, there's so many better options out there to make the switch so you don't have a household full of these chemicals that can lead to adverse side effects. So a couple examples. Um, I know there's, there's uh, a lot going on with Beauty Counter and they have some great stats that I have a ton of friends who do beauty counters, so I've heard from them that in Europe, there's about 1,400 chemicals that are banned in terms of cosmetics, but in the U.S., there's only 80. Yeah. So there's so many chemicals that in Europe, like, they know these are harmful and cause cancer and cause disruptions in their hormones, which can lead to cancer, but in the U.S., there have been no laws to ban these items. So I've started to, um, well, actually, it's been about eight months now, work through everything in our household, switch it out to cleaner items, and it's actually kind of crazy how much lighter you'll feel. Mm-hmm. I try, like, I don't know how else to describe it other than, like, you feel much lighter, like, you don't have this chemical burden on your body because everything you come in contact with or you breathe it in or your towels are washed in it, all those chemicals, um, your body absorbs it because your skin is the largest organ. And then your liver has to process it, it gets in your bloodstream, you have to detox and get it out. So it's actually a taxing 
process on the body, especially since we're exposed to chemicals pretty much everywhere, anywhere that we go. So long-winded answer to your question, but I also started um, experimenting with beauty care items like face moisturizer, moisturizers, acne treatment, um, even like a dry shampoo and hair rinses, things like that, that are made entirely from ingredients from plants. So no harsh chemicals, everything's plant-based, organic, all natural, chemical-free. And um, I was experimenting, started using these items on myself and found that they worked so good and gave some samples to friends and heard amazing feedback too. And I ended up uh, creating more of them and I now sell them on my little shop on Etsy. Yeah. Um, so the whole chemical toxin piece is another huge passion of mine and um, trying to get more people to realize that these chemical free products and all natural remedies are actually just as good, if not better than the products you can find in store that are super harsh on our skin. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the products that you, that you saw? I've tried, I've tried a few of them. <laughs> I was telling you before we started recording that I love them. So yes. Uh, a couple ones that I love. So I only have 10 total. It's, it's mm. still a little bit of a small line, but I absolutely love these 10 items. Um, I have a face oil that uh, to be used at night, which is super moisturizing and rejuvenating. It kills acne and acne scars and prevents wrinkles. I have an acne spot treatment. Um, if any blemishes come up, you roll it over on, on any acne. I have a dry shampoo, which is made from cacao powder and arrowroot powder, which are both uh, plant ingredients. Um, I have an eyelash growth serum made with castor oil and essential oils, which helps uh, grow eyelashes and eyebrows. So everything, um, all entirely plant-based, and I use a lot of essential oils, which come from plants as well. And like I mentioned, they just work so good that um, once I started using them and seeing those results, I knew I had to share with others. Yeah. Yeah, I love them. I, um, yeah, I was just telling you that I had like a spot pop up on my face and I was like, Ooh, I'm going to try the acne treatment. And it was gone the next day. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Someone that's had like acne on and off my whole life that, you know, I would put all this crap on my face and try to get it to go away. So it was great. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, it's interesting because I, I had the same rationale back in the day, because when you think about the products that are in stores, my rationale was these chemicals were created specifically to treat my acne or to treat my dry skin or to treat whatever issue I had. So I always saw like these chemicals in these products, like they're made to treat this, so I should use them. Mm-hmm. But most of these chemicals are so harsh on our skin that it leaves your skin super dry. And when your skin is dry, that can lead to pimples when like the dry skin flakes get clogged in the pores and using more natural, super gentle oils um, that provide moisture is actually the easiest way to heal acne, dry skin, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I think even when I started experimenting with these products, um, I was hesitant because I thought, well, with these chemical items in stores, like they're meant to fix my issues. So, yeah. you know, the dermatologist retinol is meant to cure this. It should work, but um, just the harsh chemicals that are in there aren't worth whatever results you may or may not get from them. Yeah. And I think people too, like I just started paying attention to my toxic burden like a year and a half ago. And um, and we did quite a quick overhaul because Ben, my husband got really sick and we were just like, get everything out. We need to start over. But like 
some of the chemicals that are in stuff, you wouldn't even necessarily think is a harsh chemical, like fragrance. Like, you know, right. some of these that you're like, oh, I can't read that word. It must be bad. But like fragrance is one of those chemicals that, well, it's not, maybe not always, but you don't know what's in it because they don't have to tell you. So um, they can kind of, some companies can kind of hide behind that fragrance label, um, whether it's in your Bath and Body Works scandals, which I know are getting really popular. And I will be the first to say that I would spend all of my money on the fall, <laughs> fla- the fall scented candles. I love them so much. But like now that I, I haven't been using them, if I smell a candle like that, it's like an instant headache for me. It's crazy. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. And even like, even some of these more, one of my friends just did a video on YouTube about this actually, um, about greenwashing at like Target and stuff. And even some of these quote unquote healthier brands still have fragrance and you, you, you kind of have to like dig around and ask them what's actually in, in there to see if it's, healthy or not. And like, um, I know if you use essential oils and things Mm -hmm. like that, that, that can bring the smell and the, the nice scent to it without all of this like chemical stuff that's in there. That's kind of terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Fragrance is super controversial and I'm just to the point that I avoid it. Yeah. And I, I think the the main reason that it's there is because companies exactly like you said, Bath and Body Works don't want to disclose the chemicals that lead to their sense that everyone loves. Yeah. They hide it under the word fragrance. Yeah. But that also means they can hide what ingredients they're using and you can't look up the adverse side effects and you don't know what it could potentially cause. Mm -hmm. So fragrance is one that it's an easy one for me. If I see a a product, if it's laundry detergent or anything and it has fragrance in there, I'm just going to move on to the next one and say, it's not even worth it. Um, But I also agree with you in terms of once you remove some of these items from your household and then you walk into like a hallway that's just been sprayed with Febreze or even when we go to our parents' house and they use some sort of laundry detergent on like the pillowcases, your body will notice it right away and you'll get a headache. And I think that just shows that um, you're, you're, like your body knows what's best for you and when you give it time away from these harmful chemicals and then you're introducing them even in small doses and it reacts like that, I think that just shows like, you know, you listen to your body and make sure to stay away from those things. Yeah, totally. Like since moving to the suburbs, I've only been here a month and um, every time I'm on the train, there's a train here, if you're not from Chicago, called the Metra. It's like this big commuter train that takes all of us suburb folk back into the city. Um, but I'm always terrified that someone's going to sit next to me that's wearing perfume yeah. or like a smelly, like hair, like a uh, shampoo or something. And it's so funny because I used to choose shampoo based on how it smelled. I would open every single one <laughs> body wash and be like, Ooh, this smells great. This is the one I'm getting. And now like if someone sits next to me, that's wearing perfume, even if it's very light, I can instantly smell it. And if I'm already kind of dealing with a headache or something that morning, it'll trigger it. Even, um, at work on Thursdays, we have cleaning women mm-hmm. that come in and clean our um, our office during the day. And um, I honestly might have to stop, like start working from home on Thursdays because the uh, cleaning supplies that they use is like instant headache for me. I immediately have a headache from it and it's, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's scary how widespread it is too, because it's not only in products, but it's also like 
pots and pans that we use. Yeah. And then if you use plastic Tupperware containers, like that's something else to watch out for. Mm-hmm. So the scary part is that I don't think we'll really see the side effects until what, 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now, mm-hmm. because there's been such an influx of these chemicals that are used in products that we just haven't been exposed to long enough to really understand if they're good or not good. Mm-hmm. So I think it was Roundup as a good example that it was yeah. used as a pesticide um, fertilizer or whatever it may be for such a long time. And now it's finally coming up that, Hey, this causes cancer and we've been using it on our crops for so long. Mm-hmm. So that's where I just get to the point that like, it's so much better just to use items that you know are good. There's no questionable ingredients. Um, and, and honestly, you'll feel so much better for making those changes too. Yeah. And it can be very overwhelming. I think I've talked about this in a podcast before, but like not, you don't have to go into it and like get rid of all your stuff like we did. Um, and even that we, we did a few things right away. Like we got new pans, we got a Berkey water filter, Mm -hmm. like things like that. Um, but the other things like makeup, skincare, I had been using beauty counter for the most part, but I like slowly started changing. So when I would run out of mascara, I would then find a better brand. When I ran out of deodorant, I looked for a different brand that was a little bit better. So there's so like, you can dive as deep into it as you want and like replace everything in your household, or you can just do it one by one, like start paying attention to, um, just just, even if you use uh, plastic, don't microwave your plastic Mm -hmm. or don't heat with a plastic spoon or something like that. Like, um, you know, like I said, replacing things once they're out, replacing laundry detergent once it's out, things like that. Um, so you don't feel super overwhelmed by it. And like, the more you do it, the more you'll notice differences and it'll kind of make you want to continue down that journey. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what we did. It was as we ran out, cause it can get super expensive and overwhelming just to if you throw everything out at once and then try to buy new ones, there is like research you have to do to figure out, is this good? Is this not good? So we did the exact same thing as we were running out of certain items. We started buying better alternatives, Mm -hmm. but I think after doing that for about four months, we still had a few items that we were still working through. And at that point, exactly like you said, like we just felt so much better. And when I say we, my husband and I, we felt so much better that I was like, these last few items, I just got to get them out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even want to wait to use them up anymore. But I agree with you. When you're first making those changes, um, any small thing helps. Anything to reduce, like, the exposure to those chemicals and toxins. And it adds up. Every change you make, you'll feel better and better. Similar, like, exact same with inflammation. Making those small changes to your diet day after day, getting better. And it gets to the point that you just feel so good that, you won't ever look back and, yeah. and it's just the best to actually feel good on so many levels and so many layers of health. Yeah, exactly. So if people wanted to connect with you online or find your products, where could they find you? Yes. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram. My handle is healthy habits with mon. I do have my Etsy shop, which you can find the link on my page as well. Mm-hmm. Or if you actually look on Etsy, you'll have to search for Shop Plant-Based Beauty. So Plant-Based Beauty is the name of my product line. Super excited. love hearing everyone's feedback. So if you guys give anything a try, let me know. Um, but happy to chat on, on Instagram too. Any questions or follow-up, I'm, I'm on there uh, pretty frequently. So feel free to reach out. 
Awesome. I'll have all the links in the blog and in the show notes so everybody can find you that way too. But just in case anybody's driving and is like, how do I find this girl? <laughs> um, yeah. So is there anything else you'd like to tell the listeners today? Um, just to really round out our conversation, I think when I first went down this health and wellness journey, I was super skeptical from hearing that, you know, what we eat and the condition of our gut really affects our health. Mm -hmm. And what I really hope to just come across to everyone is that small symptoms, take them as symptoms that something is wrong, start making small changes um, day by day. Once you start to feel better, you'll you'll just want to make all the changes and you'll never go back. And it's the best feeling in the world to actually not have brain fog or headaches or deal with acne. So I really just strive to get people to um, try to make small changes and realize that there's so much room for growth. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and it comes from so many ways from the foods we eat and the products we use. So I'm always happy to talk about this stuff. I could go on for hours about <laughs> it, but uh, I think that's uh, the main message I'm hopefully getting across to everyone. Yeah, we'll have to have you on again and we can chat about something else and it'll be yeah. great. <laughs> but thank you so much for being on today. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. Of course.